Today is a good day. Why? Well, first off, my Huskies are undefeated. Anyone watch that game? Man, that was one of the best games I've seen in a while. Uh, I think God cheers for the Huskies. God backwards is dog. So I'm just saying, like, maybe he cheers for the dogs, you know. I, okay, that's a stretch. I got you. I got you. That's a stretch. But, but, uh, but uh, listen, the Huskies are undefeated. It kind of reminds me of the 1991 team. I'm old enough to remember that. And, man, it's looking good. So that's good. Um, the Seahawks, the Seahawks are first place in the NFC West. And the Seahawks are playing now, but you're here because you're committed. Jesus over Seahawks, right, right? Good, but the Seahawks look good. And even if you don't care about football, even if you're like, I could care less about sports, today is a good day because last night we just all got an extra hour of sleep. And I don't care who you are. An extra hour of sleep is good. Am I right? My, my daughter said to me, she said, Dad, it's good you got an extra hour of sleep. I said, why? She said, because you needed the beauty rest. I was like, you're grounded. <laughs> That's it. But, but listen, we're, we're so glad you're here today. It's a good day. And uh, we have been in a series called Follow Me. Follow Me. And uh, how many of you are enjoying this series? It's been a fun series, and we have been studying what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, we have been studying what Jesus means when he says these two profound words, follow me. And today I want to share the next message in this series. Uh, I don't plan on speaking real long, which most of you know by now means absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I, I don't plan on preaching real long, but I do want to share with you uh, arguably my favorite parable in all of the Bible. I want to share with you one of my favorite stories in Scripture, and that is the story of the Good Samaritan. How many of you know that story? Uh, I love this story because the story really embodies what it means to love our neighbor. This story really epitomizes what it means to follow Jesus and love our neighbor uh, the same way Jesus loves us. And so I'm excited to jump into this. To do this, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, uh, Luke 10, and we will peek at verse 30. But before we do, let me just set the stage of what's happening here. So a religious expert asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? The greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This causes a religious expert to say, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And this is what Jesus says. Uh, verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant or a Levite walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three 
would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. If you would stand up with me, uh, let's pray for a moment. I want to share a message simply called Live Like This. Jesus said, now go and do the same. What is Jesus saying? Ultimately, he's saying, live like this. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for our time together, and we just pray your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, would come and meet us today. It's your Spirit that brings freedom. It's your Spirit that brings life. It's your Spirit that brings hope. It's your Spirit that brings power. It's your Spirit that transforms us today. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and meet us today. We pray that you would show us what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to follow you living in the 21st century, living in the time and hour we are living in. We pray you'd show us what it means to follow you, and we just thank you that you're here. And just as you're here, I just sense there's somebody, you're here today, you haven't been in church for a long time, and I just sense God's telling me to tell you that there's a reason you're here today. He has something significant for you. There's somebody else. You, you just got a new job. You're nervous about it. God's hand is on you. His favor is on you. You've been scared about this move, but he's got you. He's looking out for you. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. We pray you'd move in this place, move in our lives. And once again, we do pray the Seahawks win today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Go ahead and turn to somebody and say, we are glad you're here. Right on, right on, right on. Well, listen, um, every once in a while, uh, Kim will send me to the grocery store with a list. And I say every once in a while because Kim does not trust me in the grocery store. She doesn't, and rightfully so, because I always buy way too much, and more importantly, I buy way too much junk food, all right? I do. She'll send me with a very simple list. She'll say, go and buy bread or milk, eggs. Somehow I forget all of that, but I come home with steaks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I come home with ice cream. And of course, I come home with Reese's peanut butter cups because WWJD, what would Jesus do? He would get the peanut butter cups. I know it. Maybe not, but that's just what my heart says. But every once in a while, Kim will send me to the store with a list. And I remember one time, it was a few years back, she sent me to the grocery store. And for whatever reason, that day I was in a bit of a hurry. I was rushing, I was busy, we had somewhere to be. And so I'm kind of sprinting through Safeway, trying to get what I need to get. And I turn down an aisle, and I see a lady we know. And this lady is a very nice lady. This lady is a very kind lady. But this lady also kind of talks a lot, okay? And I was busy. I was in a hurry. I had somewhere to be. And so I did the only thing a good pastor could do. I turned around and I ran the other way. <laughs> I did. I turned out of that aisle and ran into another aisle. I know you are all perfect. God is still working on me. 
But so I turn around, I walk down this other aisle, I'm about halfway down the aisle, I think the coast is clear, no lie. This lady comes up that aisle. And here's the problem, I'm too committed in this aisle to now turn and run. I'm like halfway down it, so I'm panicking. I, you know, am busy, I'm in a hurry. I can't talk, so, so I did the only, this sounded a lot better in my head when I said this. Uh, I'm not a bad guy, okay? But, but so I'm in a hurry, I'm busy, and so I, I turn around and I pretend like I'm looking at whatever's on the grocery store shelf. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, baby food. You know, we don't have a baby. I'm just like, oh, look. And I'm trying to hide, just hoping she passes by. All of a sudden, I hear, Matt. Is that you? And so I turn around and I'm like, hi, you know? I'm just like, oh, what a surprise. It's so good to see you. And, and we, of course, started talking and talking and talking. Our, our conversation just ended yesterday. I'm just kidding. It went on for a while, but, but listen, I found a place where I could kind of exit the conversation, and I said, I got to go. I'm, I'm in a hurry. I'm busy, and so I checked out of the grocery store. I drove home, and I, 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 I unpacked my groceries, and that day, I left the store that guy who was too busy, right? I left the store that guy, even worse, that pastor <laughs> who was too busy. And I share this because I think all of us can relate to this. Don't look at me with that spiritual face. You all have done this too. You've been there. We've all had moments where we get too busy for people, don't we? We get too busy for people. And maybe you're in a busy season at work. Maybe you're in a hurry like I was at the store. Maybe... You are juggling so many things. You don't think you have time. We've all been there. But we all have moments where we get too busy for people. But listen, if we aim to follow Jesus, then our goal will always be to prioritize people. This series is called Follow Me. And if our aim is to follow Jesus, then our priority will always be to value our neighbor to love people and make time for people. Because people are God's top priority. And if our aim is to follow Jesus, guess what? God's top priorities have to become our top priorities. People are at the top of God's priority list. Jesus came to this world for people. Jesus died on the cross for, wow, you're good. Jesus rose from the dead for people. People matter to God. People matter to us. Jesus loves people. We love people. And listen, I believe it's actually impossible for us to say we love God and not love people. Because these two commands are closely tied together. Love God and love people. Jesus says them in the same breath. It is impossible to say I prioritize God in my life if I'm not taking time to prioritize people and value people and love my neighbor. And so if our aim is to follow Jesus, none of us are perfect, but if our aim is to follow Jesus, our goal 
will be to prioritize people in our life. And that's kind of what this parable is all about. It's kind of the theme of it. Jesus is kind of hitting that we can't get too busy. We can't get in such a hurry. We can't have so much going on that we lose sight of people. That we need to love God and love people, that those are the two highest priorities for us at any given moment of our life. And if our aim is to follow Jesus, then our priority, our goal, will be to prioritize people. And so Jesus shares this parable, and there's three main characters. Someone say three. Three characters. You have the priest, say priest. Levite, say Levite. Samaritan, say Samaritan. Now, everyone listening to this parable assumed that the priest or the Levite would be the one to stop and help the man beaten left for dead. Why? Because the priest and the Levite were the religious pillars of their society. Surely they would have the time. Surely they would be able to stop, but they don't. They pass by on the other side in this parable Jesus shares. And we're not exactly sure why they pass by. Uh, It could have been because priests in that day weren't allowed to come near a dead body. It's true. A religious law stated that if a priest came near a dead body, that priest was unable to perform priestly duties for a week. And so it's possible that the reason the priests and Levite were on that road was to go somewhere to perform some type of priestly duty because that's often why they would be on that road. And so it's quite possible the people listening would have thought, well, maybe the priest didn't know if the man was dead or not, so passed by on the other side, couldn't take the chance. We don't know why. It could have been because that road was a very dangerous road. In fact, that road leading from Jerusalem to Jericho was one of the most violent roads in their day. And so somebody being jumped like this man was jumped and beaten and mugged was not uncommon. And so maybe hearing this, the people would say, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they wanted to be safe. They didn't want to get hurt, so they passed by on the other side. We're not really sure why. Jesus is the one sharing the parable. But everyone assumed that the priest and the Levite, those would be the two who would stop and help the man beaten and left for dead. And then all of a sudden we have a Samaritan. And Jesus says it himself, a despised Samaritan. Because I assure you, the moment the name Samaritan comes up in the parable, there were some grunts in the crowd like, kind of like when we hear San Francisco 49ers. I'm just kidding. We love you 49er people. We, We love you. Except on Thanksgiving Day when we play you. That time we're enemies. No, I'm just kidding. But the Samaritans were despised. They, 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 and listen, time does not permit me uh, to allow me to go back and, and kind of share with you the deep woven tension between the Samaritans and the Israelites, but it was real. There was bad blood, we can say. It was a thing. In fact, it goes on for generations. Uh, the, the tension first began all the way back in the Old Testament during the era of the kings. I mean, this went on for generation after generation. And so the moment Jesus brings up a Samaritan, the people listening are like, no way that Samaritan's going to stop and help the man beaten, left for dead. And yet that's the exact person Jesus uses to illustrate what love looks like. Because Jesus uses the most unlikely people. Maybe God's called you to something. Maybe God's put something in your heart. How can God use me? God uses the most unlikely people to do the most miraculous things on this planet. 
It's the most unlikely person. Jesus uses this Samaritan to embody to you and I what love looks like. He uses a despised Samaritan to really personify what compassion looks like, what care looks like, what it means to love your neighbor. And here's the compelling part. Here's the clincher. At the end of the parable, Jesus says, now you go and do the same. He says, live like this. And so I want to share with you just three lessons we can learn from the Samaritan. Is that okay? Just nod your head yes. You know I will anyway. (laughs) So three lessons we can learn from the Samaritan. Three things we must do if we want to live like this. Three lessons. First one is this. We need to open our eyes. Open our eyes. The first lesson we learn from the Samaritan is we need to open our eyes and see people. And not just see people the way we see people, but see people the way Jesus sees people. Look at verse 33 again. It says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he, what? Saw the man. He felt compassion for him. He saw him. Now, in all fairness, the priests and Levites saw the man too. But there is a difference between seeing somebody and really seeing somebody. There's a difference. The priests and Levite, they saw a man, but the Samaritan saw the man and in so many words said, I see you. You matter to me. I care about you. I see you. And if we are going to learn this lesson from the Samaritan, we need to see people, not just the way we see people, the way we see people by, you know, what they do for a living, how much money they make, who they vote for, whatever. We need to see people the way Jesus sees people, to really see the heart of people. Uh, I'm, I'm 45 years old. It's <laughs> weird to say. 45 years old, true story. When I turned 40, the day of my birthday, my eyes said, we're done. It's true. My eyes, my birthday, I opened up presents. (laughs) I had cake, had a great day, went up that night to scroll on my phone, and everything was blurry. And my eyes were just like, we had a good run. (laughs) We're out. You're on your own, Matt. So, So I'm like, this is, I've never had this before. So I went to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor said, you need reading glasses. And I didn't want to hear that, so I was like, what does a doctor know? (laughs) Like, whatever, you know, doctor. So so I was in denial. I didn't want to hear that. In my mind, reading glasses were for people older than me, people like my dad. (laughs) Where's my dad? (laughs) Love you, dad. Actually, he gave me my first pair of reading glasses. True story. (laughs) But I thought, I'm too young. I I don't need reading glasses. So the true story, I, I, for like months, even a year, I just did not wear them. I'm like, I don't need reading glasses. But there were so many signs. You know what I mean? There were so many signs I needed glasses. I mean, I would try and like text my family, and I'd make so many typos because I could not see what I'm texting. You know, be like, Kim, what do you want for dinner? But instead, Kim, why are you such a sinner? You know, like, I didn't mean that. You know, everything's like, like typos and errors. And, and so finally, after like months, may, it may have been a year or two, I'm like, okay, 
uh, I am going to bite the bullet, and I got reading glasses. Now, let me start by saying these are the best reading glasses the dollar store has. <laughs> I'm not bragging or anything, but these are, these are high-end dollar store glasses. So, so I, I got reading glasses, and I remember when I put them on, every time I put them on, my kids say I look old. So the moment I put on my reading glasses, I could like see everything blurry came into focus up close. I'm like, so this is what it's like. <laughs> like, this is fantastic. I can see. But, but why do I share this? I share this because I think at times in life, we need to, symbolically speaking, put on our Jesus glasses. I think in life, things can get blurry. Maybe we're busy, we have so much going on, we watch news, or we hear someone say, and we can get critical, and we can get mad, and, we, and it's so easy to see the world the way everyone sees the world, but I think sometimes we need to put on our Jesus glasses and try and say, Jesus, what do you see? What do you see? Maybe you come in today and you're facing problems, and you're facing challenges. Put on your Jesus glasses. Jesus, what do you see when you look at my problem today? What do you see when you look at the challenges I'm facing right now? And most importantly, Jesus, what do you see when you see people? Let me see people the way you see people. Let me see him the way you see him. Let me see her the way you see her. Let me see them the way you see them. Let me see people the way you see people. Show me how to love like you love. And open my eyes so I can see people. The first lesson we learned from the Samaritan is open our eyes. Open our eyes. See people the way Jesus does. Second thing is we need to open our heart. We need to open our heart. It's not enough to open our eyes and see people. We need to open our heart and say, Jesus, change my heart for people. Give me a love and a compassion. Break my heart for the things that break your heart. Look at verse 33 again. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he what? Felt compassion for him. He didn't just see him, he felt compassion for him. He didn't just open his eyes, he opened his heart. He had compassion. Say compassion. That word compassion there, it's this Greek word, splega uh, jizzamalal. I don't know. I'm like, I've studied, I've theologically studied the text, and that word is, <laughs> I don't know how to say that. It's not like a minion. But, but that Greek word there, uh, this is what it means, and that, that's what's most important. Uh, that Greek word means to care deeply on the inside, to be moved with compassion. That word there for compassion, it's that word, and it means to care deeply on the inside and to be moved with compassion. In fact, this is the same word used every time we read in Scripture that Jesus is moved with compassion. And if you read the Bible, you'll read it happens on a multiple of occasions, you will read that Jesus is somewhere, he sees people hurting, he's moved with compassion, he heals them. You'll see there's moments and places where Jesus sees people hungry, he's moved with compassion, he feeds them. 
it's a, it's, a, it's a heart change. It's opening your heart to have compassion, to care, to say, let me see people the way you see people, but more importantly, let that also break my heart. Let that also help me have the heart for people that you have for people. A few years back, I was uh, driving on I-5 and I was late to a meeting and then I hit bumper to bumper traffic and so that was fun. How many of you ever had that happen? You're late for something and then you hit traffic. <laughs> That's always a lot of fun. And so I was mad. I'm like, why is there traffic? There was, it wasn't the time of day there should have been traffic. And so I'm looking on my iPhone and sure enough, there's an accident. And I was so mad at the time. I really was. Like I'm throwing a tantrum in my head like, why can't people drive? <laughs> you know, the gas is on the right, the pedal's on the left, your brain is in your head, let's use it. <laughs> Just, I'm throwing a tantrum. It's everyone else's fault that I'm late to my meeting. We've all been there, right? And I, I, I'm frustrated. Well, what's interesting, as I got closer to the crash, my demeanor changed. As I got closer to the accident, my heart kind of broke because I was able to see the impact. And I could see the fire trucks, I could see the ambulance, I could see the glass everywhere. One car was flipped on its side, another car was so badly crunched that first responders are trying to pry the doors open. And I see a woman standing there, I, I, in my mind it looked to be maybe a mom of a kid in the car and she's crying. And all of a sudden my meeting didn't matter that much. All of a sudden, something kind of shifted in me. And what's interesting is when I was a mile away, it was so easy to be judgmental. When I was a distance away, when I was far away, it was so easy to point the finger, say, why can't you drive? But when I got closer, it impacted my heart. When I got closer, it impacted my soul. And I say this because I think it's so easy for us when we're a mile away from people to have all of our opinions. When we're a mile away from what someone's going through and their situation, it's so easy for us to point the finger and say, well, you should have. Well, you shouldn't have. I mean, you could have. You, you could have not have. And it's so easy for us to do. But as we get closer to people, all of a sudden our hearts begin to change a little bit, don't they? And all of a sudden, all the judgment gets traded for grace. And all of a sudden, all the legalism gets traded for love. And all of a sudden, all of the mandates and you should'ves and you could'ves gets traded for mercy. And instead of pointing a finger, we're quick to lend a hand and help someone up and display love to them. Now, I still may not like the way you drive. I still may not agree with your driving, okay? And listen, we may not agree with people, we may not agree with their choices, we may not agree with what they do, but the calling on every one of our lives is to love people and have compassion for people and open up our hearts to people. And the second lesson we learn from the Samaritan is we open our hearts. We open our hearts. And lastly, and Keys, you can come up here. I'll be done here in about three hours. The third, the, the third lesson we learn from the Samaritan is we need to open our hands. It's not enough just to open our eyes and see. It's not enough to open our hearts and feel. We need to open up our hands and do something. To give, to help, 
to get involved, to be part of the situation and the solution. Look at verse 34 again. It says, going over to him. What does that mean? It means a Samaritan stopped what he was doing. He inconvenienced himself that whatever plans the Samaritan had for that day, those plans changed because there was somebody hurting. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. What does that mean? He, he showed love. He, he met an immediate need. I've shared this before, but St. Francis of Assisi, he has a quote, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. Preach the gospel at all times, but use words when necessary. What does that mean? It means the loudest message we will ever preach is the life we live. It means the most profound sermon we ever preach is the love we have for people and how we live. If not, Corinthians says, we're just a clashing symbol, making noise. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He got him an Uber. <laughs> Uber donkey. And he took him to the Holiday Inn. That's my paraphrase. And he took care of him. This is where it gets real. This is where it gets real. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. How much is that? Two days of work. He hands him two days worth of wages. How much is that? A few hundred dollars, $600, $2,000, probably different for all of us. Two days of work. What's interesting is he got involved and it cost him something. Why? Because love will always cost you something. Love isn't even love until it costs you something. Ask Jesus. It costs him something. And listen, listen how it ends. He says, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The next time I'm here? Did this Samaritan make it a habit of helping hurting people? I don't know. Jesus is the one sharing the parable. But this is when the parable now becomes real life because he looks at the people and he ultimately looks at us today. He says, now you go and do the same. He says, this was just a story but this is also real life. Now you go and live like this. I think all of us could agree we're busy, are we? We're busy. Busy, 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 busy. The way the world's busy, busy. If you ask any person how they're doing, they'll answer busy. You're not allowed to answer any other way, I guess. How you doing, busy? How are you doing, tired? How are you doing, Busy and tired from telling you how busy and tired I am. Just busy and tired. We're busy. But you know what also is interesting? We're busy, but so many of us are also bored. How's that possible? How is it possible to be busy but bored? Those are opposite things. It's like an oxymoron. It's like almond joy. There is no joy in eating an almond joy because they are disgusting, okay? In fact, last week at Trunk or Treat, I saw a kid take an almond joy out of his bucket and just throw it away. And I was like, yes! I think all of heaven celebrated at that moment. Eat a Reese's. How can we be busy but bored? How is that even possible? Maybe it's because we have our hands in everything except the only things that really matter. 
Maybe it's because we've opened up our hands to so many things that there's not enough room left for the things that really matter in life. The things that really matter for all of eternity. And I think all of us, and I will close with this, and this is my second closing, I'm entitled to six. So I think all of us, every night before we go to bed, before we, our head hits the pillow, we get Z's, I think we should all ask ourselves one simple question. One question, very simple question. What did I do today that impacted eternity? What did I do? What did I do today that impacted eternity? Some of you are like, well, that's deep. It's actually more simple than you think. Love, love's eternal. Did I love those around me? Showing grace, grace can change somebody's life and their eternity. Did I show grace, compassion? Did I worship? We worship for all eternity. Did I worship God with my day today? Did I surrender it to him? It was his day. And did I show care and compassion to the people around me? The Samaritan opens his eyes. We need to open our eyes, see people the way Jesus sees people. He opens his heart. He shows compassion. Let us open our heart and have compassion for people. And he opens his hands. He gives back. He gets involved. We need to open our hands. And Jesus ends by saying, now you go and do the same. You live like this. This is what following Jesus looks like. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. If you would stand up with me as we pray today. You know, we're entering a season, it's interesting, over the holidays. It's, it's a very perplexing time because at some point, it's a time of joy, it's a time of peace. We remember Jesus, Thanksgiving, we're thankful for things. But it's also a very difficult time for people. And what an opportunity for us as the church to show compassion and care and love and not get so busy and preoccupied doing things that we miss sight of Jesus' opportunities that are right in front of us, that we lose sight of people that God is sending to us. And I just want to pray for us as a church. I just want to pray that we would be open to the opportunities, that we would be open to people, that we wouldn't be like the priest and the Levite busy, so busy with our schedules, so consumed with our tasks that we lose sight of God opportunities that are right in front of us, people that he's sending us to help. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for our time together today. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see people the way you see people, that you would open our hearts. Lord, break our hearts for the things that break your heart. There's a numbness in our society and a world. Break our heart. Give us a compassion for people and open our hands to give to be a part of what you're doing and if you say this if you say I want to be a part of seeing people being a part of letting the love of Jesus shine and show I want God to use me even these next couple months would you just maybe put your hands in front of you just as, as an act of prayer could we do that today if you're comfortable I believe God answers when we respond, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Lord, I pray you would cause us to be open to people. 
Yes, we have jobs. Yes, we have lives. Yes, we have bills to pay. Yes, we have things to do. That's all real. But may we never miss out. May we never lose sight of the things that matter most, of the people that you're calling us to reach and love and show compassion to. And lastly, if you're here today and you say, I don't know if I've ever made Jesus the Lord of my life or I want to come back to him. Today is that day. He loves you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what happened. He's here for you. He died on a cross for you. He loves you and wants relationship with you. And if you say today, listen, I want to give my life to Jesus or I want to come back to him, would you just slip your hand up and back down? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else say, I want to do that? That's me. That's me. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. So all those hands that went up. Could we just all repeat this prayer? Just say, Jesus, come into my life. I follow you. I choose today to follow you. I pray you'd help me as I follow you. Send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to move in my life. And thank you for dying on a cross for me when I was running from you. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give it up for God today?